0: Hello and welcome to the Ideology Podcast. I'm Dr. Tim Ziddle, at Dr. Tim Ziddle on Instagram, and this is my weekly podcast where I create informative and short episodes designed to make personal growth and development fun again so you can cut the learning curve and become the best version of yourself while creating success at any level. Here we go. Okay, we're back with the second part of the interview with Steve Zittle, my dad, and I am so excited to continue to pick up right where we left off talking about mentorship, what it's like to get a mentor, what you need to become in order to have a really successful mentoring relationship. He's gonna dive into what it looked like for him to take broken and underperforming companies within his business and to revive those. He's gonna talk about getting profitable within service industries or really any industries and the things that you need to know about your business in order to be successful. And then we're going to bring it full circle, tie it up, wrap it with a bow by talking about our favorite books and resources. So I can't wait for you to hear this. We're going to dive right back in, starting with mentorship, picking up right where we left off. And this is part two of lessons I learned from a funeral director with Steve Zittle. So I'm so glad that you brought up the importance of having a mentor and the role that mentorship has played in your life, I can absolutely say that it's played a massive role in my life as well. And I'd love for you to speak a little bit more to that. I know that for you, you had mentioned that your mentor and that relationship happened kind of on accident, but really, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it really took you being prepared, being in the right place at the right time so that when that opportunity fell into your lap, you were able to take advantage of that. So how does mentoring in your mind, these listeners who are looking for a mentor, desperate for that mentorship, what can they be doing to put themselves in a position to be prepared for that when they encounter someone who has the ability to mentor them?
1: Well, I would love to say that I had prepared myself or I was seeking a mentorship or I was was trying to put myself in that kind of place. But um, mine just happened really accidentally and organically. Um, I didn't even realize it was a mentoring type relationship until it was already underway. Um, but I do think that they're important. And now that I've, I've been a part of that type of relationship, I, I see the value in it. And I think that the, the best way that you can be prepared to accept a mentor's mentorship is to be humble, really. I think humility is a key. I think you have to know what you don't know. And I think you have to be okay with that. Uh, So often we're trying to outperform others. We're trying to position ourselves for the next best thing. And we're trying to um, just kind of inflate our own um, qualifications to try to achieve when sometimes the best thing to do is just be solid in what you know, but also know what you don't know. And then open yourself up, find people who know what you don't know, and and attach yourself to them. That's huge.
0: Well, I love that. And, and along that line, that really dovetails into the next thing I'd love to know, which is, as you've learned these different things, and you've read, and you've heard, and you've listened, and you've just soaked in all this knowledge, what is your favorite quote? What's the one soundbite that's really stuck with you? And, and why has that impacted you?
1: Well, I think you know, scripture is is a big part of my life, and, and there's a lot of, of scripture verses that I rely on and, and draw from uh, through my faith. I think one of the, as far as a quote uh, that I actually used it in my high school yearbook, that it just stuck out me to me. It, it was a quote by Bob Uecker, who, um, if folks don't know who Bob Uecker is, he was a perennially poor baseball player. He Failed to hit 200. He, he was a catcher for the Milwaukee Braves and the Brewers back in the day, you know, way back in the day, 50s and 60s. And um, but he, he was known as kind of a clown. He he was real funny and uh, made made fun of himself a lot. But his quote that I kind of latched on when and I read a read a book uh, when I was in high school was the world belongs to those who know when to laugh at it. Hmm. And I think sometimes if we we just tend to take ourselves too seriously. Yep we're in this rat race of life we take you know we take ups too seriously we take downs too seriously and i think sometimes you just got to know when to when to laugh at, at what's going on and, and when to see the humor when to appreciate your wins when to uh understand your losses and learn from them and um you know that, i think that's just something that i think about quite often awesome
0: and, and speaking of wins, you know, what is a major win that you've had recently and how did you how did you create that?
1: We had a, a couple of of my locations that had uh, been consistently underperforming their potential. And I came on um, in, in the midst of that underperformance and through talking with those leaders and working with them trying to get them to buy into some of these concepts that we've we've talked about with uh, pricing and discounting and, and those kind of simple things. They uh, were, you know, I was fortunate enough that they kind of bought in and they were willing to um, take that leap of faith with me and make some changes that seemed a little bit uh, hard to make at the time. And as a result, we turned the financial performance completely around. And those were two of the best performing locations I had in all of 2020. That's incredible.
0: And what do you think kind of created that success the most? If you had to pull out maybe some, a couple bullet points that led to that?
1: Um, I think it was, it was just the buy-in. I think both of, both of those leaders recognized that, um, that they didn't know they didn't have all the answers and that what they were trying wasn't working and they were willing to have somebody else kind of step in and say, Hey, let's try this. Uh, They were willing to put their faith in me and, and just go ahead and take that step of faith and and think it was going to work out because in our business, in a lot of service industry, um, I I have a a little quote that I like to use. It says the math doesn't lie. And when we're working out, um, how we're going to improve our financial performance. And you know, the math is the math. Uh, we, we get so emotional with some of these decisions we make and why we're going to do it this way and why we're gonna, why that's not going to work, why people are not going to like it. And we, we cloud a lot of those decisions with our own emotions, our own, whether mostly incorrect, sometimes correct, but sometimes incorrect way of thinking. And we, we tend to get lost in, in that, but math is always going to be math. And so when, when you see the math and you're willing to just, if, if it doesn't make sense to you emotionally, but you're willing to see that it, it could possibly work in math, then that's, that's the key. You kind of have to put your own emotions and your own instincts down in order to do something that you think will work.
0: That's incredible. And I, and I think it goes, uh, you know, needs to be stated here too, that these, you know, people that you were leading that took your advice that saw great and massive success from it, they did so knowing that you were worthy of that trust. You were worthy of that influence. I think in today's world, it's, it's really difficult to know who to trust and who to tell you to, because there's a lot of very well-intentioned people, but that don't have all that information. that don't have the education. that haven't spent the years building that up like you had, and they're out there on every, you know, every, you know, webinar and every, you know, quick you know, quick success class and take this, you know, read this ebook and and look at this article and everybody's looking for that instant success. And what they fail to take into account is that your advice that led to so much success came from 20, 30 years of experience and mentorship and pain and growth and, and, and everything along with that. So I think it goes to say, number one, you know, trusting the leadership of people who have earned that, uh, can help you achieve massive success. But number two, you got to make sure you're vetting the people that you're listening to. And, <laughs> and you're not just listening to anybody that tells you you know they've seen this done or that they can, they can right. help you meet your goals. That's right. So with that, let's talk about the opposite end of that equation. And why don't you tell me what are the most common ways you've seen people fail in any or all aspects? And how do you think people can fix or, or even prevent future failures?
1: Well, in my industry specifically, it goes back to that heart. It goes back to what makes a great funeral director a great funeral director and at the same time tends to, to make them a lousy business person. Um, I've seen a lot of failure in that if you lean too much on your emotion and your heart and what uh, makes you really connect and uh, empathetic with, with uh, the people you're serving, it tends to draw you away from sound business principles that keep your business afloat. And that's really the biggest failure in, in, in my industry and, and could be in any service industry, really, is when you give them yourself to your own detriment. And you, it's, it's a hard, hard uh, tightrope to walk. But I think that's that's probably one of the biggest challenges we have in the service industry.
0: So what would your encouragement be in terms of how do you get back on track for healthy business practices mm-hmm. if you're serving in any industry, but you've overextended yourself, you've realized that your self-sacrifice has made you a martyr almost. You know, it's taking away from what you're doing, not adding to what you're doing. How do you how do you dig yourself out of that hole and get back on track?
1: I think the first thing you need to do is you need to learn how to read a financial statement. You need to, uh, where wherever you're getting those from, from your accountant usually, um, you need to get those in a timely way. So I, I always, within uh, two or three weeks of the end of the month, I, I want to have my financial statements in my hand for that month. And then I keep track. I, I enter that information in a spreadsheet. I keep charts and graphs, and I'm looking at trends and, and things like that. But you need to learn how to read a financial um document profit and loss statement if you don't know it's okay there's so many business entrepreneurs and people leading businesses who don't have that grasped and they're afraid that they're going to look silly if they ask for help on that but you need to understand your financial statements up and down and it might dovetail in with finding someone that you can trust to also read those and tell you the hard truth and so that you're not trying to justify some some poor behavior uh but like i said the math doesn't lie when you look at those financial statements you'll see the math and it's it's harsh reality Uh, but if you have somebody that you can trust or somebody that can mentor you or or advise somebody that you'll listen to even when you don't want to make a change that you'll listen to that person so those are the two things i would do
0: that's smart and let's just say you're looking at those financial statements and you discovered holy cow, you actually have a surplus. Let's just say for the sake of argument, you had an extra, you know, half a million, $500,000 in your budget that you weren't planning for, um, or, you know, anything less than that. How would you personally spend that?
1: How would I personally spend a surplus? Um, I would reinvest in the locations, um, whether it would be, you know, capital expenses, whether it's vehicles or whether it's buildings or upkeep, things that uh, will always go to improve the experience that your your customer or your family, um, ex, you know, experiences when they're with you because it's all about experience in the service industry. Um, you know, you and I just got back from dinner and we had a great dinner, great waiter, made made the experience really really good. The food happened to be great too. But the waiter really went over and above, um, and 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 we've all we've all had good waiters and waitresses, and we've all had poor waiters and waitresses. So, we, so I know everybody knows what I'm talking about, but it's all about the experience in a service industry. It's all about the experience, and so anything we can do to improve the um, the structure or or equipment or things to make make people's experience better, that's what I would do.
0: That's great. Personally, are there any things that uh, or, or any areas that you're investing in personally that you feel like you know are, are uh, maybe cutting edge or things that you're excited about the potential return.
1: I don't know if it's cutting edge so much, but I have uh, monthly meetings with all of my location leaders, and we try to go through books. We went through the 20 principles of productivity um, last year, and we went through that book. This year, we're going through. Start with Why by Simon Sinek, which is a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, we um, we uh, we broke that one down on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so that's that's a phenomenal. It's an easy It's an easy read. Short, you know, doesn't have as many pictures in it as I'd like, but yeah, you know, <laughs> easy read. And um, you know, it just really, really impacted me in the way I think about business. And so we're going through that a few chapters at a time. Uh, we try to you know, in- increase your knowledge. It seems like everybody I know that is smart and and in places where I want to be, they all seem to be readers. So that's one area where I'm trying to improve personally as well.
0: Yeah, and is there any specific area, I know a lot of those books deal with more um, leadership, marketing, things of that nature. Is there any specific area that you're really curious about and that you're wanting
1: to research more personally? Um, I think general leadership is just, there's there's a dearth of that. in in business today. And I think just being a better leader, um, I'm focusing this year on trying to be a more relational leader, which I'm, that's not, not my strength. So I'm trying to um, do things that'll help me be more relational with, with the folks that, that report to me. What would some examples of that look like? Well, you know, finding out how, what they're who their families are, what the uh, spouse's names, kids' names, what are the kids into, what do they like to do in their free time, all of those type of things that don't necessarily add specific value to the bottom line but will help me get buy-in from them because I'm, I'm taking a personal investment in their lives and I can ask about their um, their families and, and have that knowledge. So I'm trying to build, build – more of those relationships.
0: I think it's super smart too and, and it goes to say, you know, there's some times where you can look at things like that and there can almost be a question of well, is that mean manipulation, right? Getting to know somebody um, strictly so that you can get more buy-in or so that they'll uh, follow your influence better. But I think what it really comes down to and a better word for it is leverage. Yeah. And I think that leverage has even in some ways gotten a negative connotation when really Leverage is how we do anything and everything, right? Think about it, you know, when when, when you're taking, you know, a, your spouse out to dinner or, or when you're trying to get your kids to clean up their room, right? You leverage whatever you can to help people, you know, get the accomplished or the desired outcome, right? Sure. Accomplish the desired outcome. So with that, I think leverage is so underrated of a skill and not enough people are able to use that effectively in business because they might see it as manipulation. So... I would encourage you guys, the readers, um, as you're hearing this, really see how that leverage. By him learning more about his team members' lives, he's enriching their lives. So it's not manipulation because they're not losing for him learning more from it. And when he gets buy-in, when he leverages that for more buy-in from them, they get better results. They move closer to the desired result that they say that they want. So it's a win for everybody. Manipulation would be where one person wins and the other loses. In this case, everybody wins and and that in my mind is healthy leverage. That is a skill that cannot be overstated. You have to be able to, to learn how to do that in marketing, in relationships, but especially in business to get ahead. So with that, how do you continue to grow yourself or to keep yourself on the cutting edge moving forward so that you stay on top of things in your role and you know you don't get you know, you don't get old in the tooth or passed up by people that are under you that are advancing?
1: Well, I think that um, kind of keeping my eye on on the ball and trying to just manage all of my responsibilities. Every once in a while, I'll go to our, our HR page and I'll look at the job description that, that I have and I'll try to answer the questions. Am I really, am I accomplishing all these things on this job description? Um, I, I try to keep a, a really clear ear from my boss who is very helpful and kind of steering me in some areas away from some things I'm trying to do and toward other things I should be doing. Uh, And then I try to listen to the people who are working with me at the location level too, um, because if I sense that that I'm not meeting a need that they have, then that's an opportunity that I need to to work on. And so I I try to just be very, very aware of uh, both the people I'm working with and the people I'm working for as to what what their needs are and and just trying to meet those needs
0: that's awesome and uh, i think that that's huge too the fact that you are consistently evaluating yourself compared to what you were hired to do so not only are you looking to grow the people around you and you're doing more reading and more investing to grow yourself but you're using that as a measuring stick to make sure that at all times you can fulfill exactly what you were hired to do and i think far too long the job that we end up doing looks a lot different than the job we were hired to do. And that's through no fault of our own. It's just because we didn't have that measuring stick. We didn't know what we wanted to, to um, compare ourselves to. And so as we wrap this up, uh, first and foremost, this has been hugely informational and, and valuable for me, um, if for no one else. So I really, really appreciate you doing this with us. But also, um, you know, do you have any... Any action steps or any resources that you would recommend for our listeners?
1: A um, couple of good books that I would recommend um, that 20 principles of productivity. If you, if you find you're not keeping up and you feel like you're constantly chasing your tail, uh, that's a good book to kind of just get you set back in, into a proper motion. If you're not an organized person and you don't plan out your day, um, I really recommend that. I'm, I'm a planner by nature, so it's pretty easy for me to do. And I, I kind of get that. Um, another book that I really like is called, in fact, you recommended it to me, um, is is Never Split the Difference by, is it Chris? Chris Voss. Voss yeah. yeah that's a good uh, one. Voss. I know his last name, but Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference is a, is a great book, especially when it comes to negotiating. And of course, life is a negotiation. We are constantly in negotiations about all different kinds of things, whether it's getting your kid to clean his room or or anything so that book has really been uh, eye-opening as well
0: awesome well thank you so much for your time and for investing your wisdom into uh this medium into this podcast this is something i think we're going to look back on for a long time to come and be able to draw lessons from and draw value from and really appreciate that
1: well i appreciate being a part of it it's very exciting awesome sitting here
0: listening to that playback and then recording this I'm telling you, I cannot be any more fired up about the start of this ideology podcast. If you're anything like me, this thing has just gone nuclear right from the beginning, and that's what I love most about it, is we're not messing around, we're not playing around, we're not doing frills and fluff and BS. We're getting right to the heart of what really matters and what's helped me create really profitable businesses and see a ton of success, both personally and professionally, and I'm hoping that you're loving this too. But with that, we just concluded our very first interview with Steve Zito, my dad, and I'll tell you, it's one of the greatest privileges I've ever had in my entire life to be able to sit down with that man, my hero, and to be able to ask him all the things that he's learned over years of adversity, toil, trials, hard work, and everything in between to create that gold that we just heard over the last two episodes. There is so much more to come. I can't wait for you to hear it. This is just the beginning. The best is yet to come. So hang in there. Have an amazing rest of your day. And I can't wait to connect again with you soon. You did it. You reached the end and hopefully you're one conversation, one episode closer to that breakthrough, to that success that you've been searching for. Again, you can like it, love it, share it, subscribe, whatever you want to do. I'm just grateful that you're here along for the ride. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.